everybody. Welcome back to the Covenant Eyes podcast. We are still live at the NRB Conference 2023. It has been such an amazing time. We are recording another great episode today. And of course, I have my partner in crime, Brandon Clark, with me. Hey, Brandon. <laughs> hey, we've been causing a lot of trouble, haven't we? We sure <laughs> have, but good kind of trouble. So yeah. yeah, I'm really excited about our interview this morning. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into just what's at the heart of a lot of the issues we struggle with. We're talking about just the clutter that is in our lives and how to discern what the voice of truth looks like through all that clutter. So it's going to be a good conversation. Absolutely. I'm hoping to learn a lot myself. Clutter (laughs) is a problem I think I know I have personally and I know a lot of people struggle with and being able to discern the truth in our very noisy world is so important. Well, let's go ahead and introduce today's uh, guest. We have joining us today, Tracy Terrace. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you give our listeners just a little bit of your background and tell us a little bit about what you do? My name is Tracy Terrace and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I consider myself one of his disciples. I'm a wife and mother of two girls and I have a granddaughter. I live in uh, Los Angeles, California, and I operate a private, a group private practice. I have a group psychotherapy practice. Amazing. where we offer uh, therapy services to couples, individuals, children, and teens. Wonderful. What got you into this line of work? My own therapy. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I had never planned on being a therapist. I feel like I was called to it after I had some understanding of my own background and my own life and how I was becoming or turning out to be not what God had intended. And I, on some level, I knew that because of the pain. So I went to therapy and it actually worked. And in the beginning, I would send all of my friends and family to the therapist that I went to because she was awesome. But then I was at work one day. I was working for a consulting firm, and I had this distinct thought come in my mind, you need to be a therapist. And I knew exactly what kind of therapist this thought was talking about. And so I just thought it was interesting, but it resonated. And again, I had never planned to do this. And so I went back to my desk and called my husband and three of my closest friends and told them that I had this thought. And each one of them were in agreement. Oh, I could totally see you doing that. Or that sounds right. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's really special. It's amazing how, because you obviously recognize it was the voice of God Mm -hmm. guiding you in the next steps. It's amazing how he can cut through and you can just have that clarity at certain moments of life. Yeah. You also authored the book, Many Voices, One Truth, which we're going to talk about today. It relates a lot actually with what we do at Covenant Eyes, but then also I think for our listeners, there's so much noise around us and being able to silence our minds and our hearts enough to hear the voice of the Lord is something that a lot of us, as you were mentioning, Karen, we really need to practice a little bit. So tell us about just an overview of Many Voices, One Truth. Many Voices, One Truth is a book about belief and choosing who you are going to believe. You know, every day in my uh, practice, there's I have clients that struggle with a lot of thoughts. Almost everything that a person comes
comes in with regards to mental health issues. It's as a result of what they're letting into their minds and a result of whether or not they're listening to it in their minds. So in the book, I used the idea of broadcast networks Hmm. because when I was growing up, we only had four. There was cable, but we didn't have cable in my home. There was only ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. And so if you were tuned in to any broadcast network, it was usually one of those. And in my practice and in my research, I've noticed that people have four primary broadcast networks, too. There's probably some little ones, you know, Mm -hmm. that people have, but those are self- Satan, society, and savior. And all four voices are constantly competing, you know, for your attention. Yes. And so I've taught my clients and I teach my clients how to recognize each of these voices. You know, not all not all of my clients are Christians. I have people coming from other faiths and no faith as well. Mm-hmm. But I still teach them the difference between the different voices that they're hearing. Like what is informing you? Like what is the belief that you're having? And so that's really important. I, I love there's a quote in the book that just struck me and I had to write it down because it was just something that I wanted to sit with over and over again. It says just because someone is spouting information in an authoritative manner doesn't mean they are actually an authority on what they're talking about, even when they're passionate and su- passionate and sincere. We see that all around mm-hmm. us, Tracy, yeah. uh, especially when we look at, you know, just the the voices surrounding our sexuality and who we are when it comes to our very basic identity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we live in an age where um, if you see it on the screen, you think that it's an authority. And it's it's gotten, it, we've been trained, like in my, my growing up, the news was what's going on and the news and the whatever was on television. And so because so many people are on screens, I mean, you could have someone that reads an article on something and is suddenly an authority. And because they have an authoritative personality or because they've been doing whatever it is they've been doing, whether it's a podcast that's online or YouTube or whatever, they can feel like an authority. But reading an article and deciding, you know, I'm an authority on something doesn't mean that you are. And if you're consuming this information, you know, check the source, like look into what that person, where that person was trained or educated, what's going on and decide, you know, for yourself, you're going to look deeper into it. Like even in the Bible, the Bible encourages you in Acts, it talks about how the Bereans were of more noble character because they went back and checked to see if what Paul was saying was true. So God is okay with people checking into what what are the facts? Like, the truth is what is. That's the simple definition of truth. What is. I mean, if it is not, it doesn't mean just because a bunch of people believe it that it is. Right. You know, the yeah. truth can't be touched in that way. It yeah. can be t- uh, tweaked and twisted, but it's, you know, then it's no longer truth if that's so the case. true. I think um, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, because influencers, I think, are impacting our culture in a lot of ways, you know, podcasts and YouTube, you, you mentioned that, but our young people, you know, they look to those things as authorities, but we've lost the art of trust but verify. Like you mentioned the other day, Ronald yeah, Reagan said, exactly. 
um, you know, when you're in college, like when I was working through uh, my, my master's degree, you always have to have three sources for everything, right? But yeah. we just go online, we <laughs> listen to a YouTuber, and we take it as, you know, gospel, and we run with it, and we don't even verify the sources. I also think, um, you know, as you're talking about these voices, how do you think AI is going to impact people? Because now you've got an artificial intelligence producing content that is biased and not necessarily true because it's just siphoning information off the internet. How is that going to shape people's voices that they're listening to as well? Do you I, think I, I think it's probably going to be a deeper problem because now this is AI. This is artificial intelligence. Yeah. And I would say the same thing to anyone listening to AI to check the source, like look into it further. And if you're a person of God, ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's the ultimate database. Like yeah. just tune in and ask him, Lord, what is, what is this? And, and it's okay to, um, ask God for some kind of confirmation because even when I was, um, think when I had that thought of you should be a therapist, one of the things after I spoke with my husband and my, uh, friends, I asked God to allow me to get into a certain school because I was a, a wife, a mother, I had a job. I couldn't, I wasn't going to apply to a bunch of schools. And I found uh, Azusa Pacific, which is a Christian university in California. And they had a program that integrated psychology and spirituality, like um, the, the truths of the Bible and psychology, which, by the way, psychology is the study of the soul. And so, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. my goodness. <laughs> One of the things that we work with and fight against is pornography. And what we see oftentimes is the impact pornography has on people's spiritual lives. Can you talk a little bit about how pornography and sexual sin actually keep us from the clarity that we need to be able to hear the voice of God? I think the biggest uh, underlying factor for pornography, as, as far as that what I've seen, it's shame. You know, when people engage in pornography, they often walk away feeling shame. And shame is different from guilt. Like guilt is I've done something and I need to make amends or I should make amends for it. Humiliation is something bad done to you, but you don't take it into your internal self. And shame says something's wrong with you. And so a lot of times people will get into a cycle of that shame. And the other part of that is your brain gets used to, it's very addictive. You know, you'll create in your brain pathways, your neural pathways, um, habits that will draw you back to this over and over. Because when, when you do engage in pornography, there will be chemicals released in your brain and then you can get, your body can get used to that. Like people think that they're just addicted to the images on the screen, but it, it goes all the way into your neurology as well. You know, you talk about the voice that our, our self-voice. Um, you know, do you find that how we think about and what, when we listen to ourself, which can be very deceiving sometimes, you know, because we have our own bias about who we think we are and all of that, is that more impactful than the society voice that's coming into us? Or what are you seeing in your practice? Like, which voice is overriding and clouding the voice of God most frequently in your practice? Well, it depends on the person. Okay. Because in the book, I talk about 
about the four voices and how uh, Satan's voice will always lead you astray. Maybe not at first, but it even, you know, he will lead you astray. God's voice never will. Okay. Yep. So God and Satan are not interchangeable. Like Satan is not the opposite of God because that would make him equal to God. Yeah. The thing about the self voice and the society voice is they could either be an affiliate of the God Broadcast Network or an affiliate of the like Satan Broadcast Network. Okay. And it. so, for instance, the self voice, if what you're thinking about is edifying to yourself or your soul or your spirit, if what you're thinking about is uh, bringing you peace or harmony within yourself, and it's, it's probably coming from um, the adults in your life and the people in your family of origin that treated you that way, sure. that told you those kinds of things. If the voice is negative and tearing you down, it could be, you know, originating from the people in your family of origin, and Satan is using that to continue to tear you down. Same thing with uh, society. Like, social media gets a bad rap often, but there's a lot of good on social media. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of uh, information that you can find that would be helpful to you. But then if, and if you are using it to accomplish a goal or figure something out, then that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But if you're using it to compare yourself and tell tear yourself down and further drive home what you believe about yourself in the negative way, then it's not good. So it, with regards to your question of which one's the loudest, it depends on the person. Okay. You know, it depends on the sources that they're consuming uh, the most. You, know? you mentioned shame. You mentioned social media, which really relates to distraction. We talk about that a lot in being able to detach from technology, to reconnect with relationships, especially with God, your spouse if you're married, your family, your Mm -hmm. kids. They need intentional parenting. Uh, Both of those are two of the four hindrances you also Mm -hmm. mention in the book. So we've talked about the voices, but there's also some hindrances that can keep us from hearing the voice of God. Can you dive into those just briefly yeah um, what the, the the one that you mentioned about distraction um, one of the thing a lot of times um, when people are trying to calm their minds and um, one of the things that I always teach is there's a difference between uh, trying and training so you have to like trying is showing up for the event and then doing the work and training is preparing for the event and you know, in advance of the work. And so, um, when you, one of the ways that you can train yourself from distraction is something called mindfulness. Like a lot of times people think mindfulness is is the same as meditation. It can be, but it's like mindfulness is just having your mind full of whatever it is you're doing, not allowing yourself to be pulled in all these uh, different directions. Right. And then another one I talk about is relational sin and where people sin against one another and then do not make up for it. Do not do anything to resolve it. Like if you're trying to accomplish something or you're trying to have a relationship with God, but then there's this thing in the back of your mind, you know, that's just going to be a hindrance to you. So in the book, I I do this five step 
um, practice that I teach in my practice, um, the art of forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. Because most of the time when we've done something wrong, we'll just say, I'm sorry. But okay, you're sorry. What does that do for me? You know, because most of the time we're sorry because either we got caught or now we have to be in conflict. So I talk about, uh, and all of the chapters in the book have different um, interven- I call, we call them interventions in, in my field, but there are different exercises to help you to apply whatever it is you've learned in the book. So in that section, um, I talk about uh, there are five steps to asking for an apology. The first one is acknowledge or name, admit what you've done. Because sometimes people will say, I'm sorry. And if you ask, what are you sorry for? They'll say, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Especially wow. like little kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just want whatever they're feeling yeah. to be over. So they're apologizing. <laughs> and then the second one is empathize. And so that's where you you would name two or three feelings that it must have made that person feel. And the reason you don't want to say, you don't want to just ask, well, how did that make you feel? You want to try to guess because if you do, then you're empathizing and the, it makes the person feel more heard. So you would ask and, you know, did this, this must have made you feel you know, sad and hurt. And then you ask them, is that how you felt? And then Mm -hmm. they could say yes. And then you would say, uh, tell me more about that. Or they might say, no, I actually felt this. But either way, you would say, tell me more about that. And you let them emote. You let that cathartic release to happen. Because when we are wronged, we carry around that wrong in the fiber of our being you know we rehearse what we should have said or what we'll say next time and so when you let a person have that release you're freeing them you're giving them an opportunity to free themselves so that they can let it go and then when they're done you don't want to come back with a justification or a reason why because you're apologizing so you know don't do that on the third step that's when you say I'm sorry like you don't even say Mm -hmm. I'm sorry until you've gone through all that process Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, and then the fourth one is you ask, will you forgive me? And whatever the person says, like they may say, yes, I will forgive you or I already have. Or they may say, I don't know, or that might take some time. But regardless of what they're saying, the fifth step would be you ask, how can I make amends? Like, how can I make up Love for that. this? That's really important. Wow. This is this is a really powerful process. And um, how do people connect with you and your practice? Because I, I would imagine we have listeners that are tuning in going, oh, my gosh, I need to get this book. I want to join your practice. Yeah. Like, you're, you're offering great wisdom. So how do they connect with you? And how do they get their hands on your new book? Well, um, the book is on Amazon. Okay. Uh, and if you write in the title, Many Voices, One Truth. Okay. And then my name's Tracy Terrace. You'll find it that way. Great. And then for my practice. Uh, it's www.healingthemindandspirit.com. We're based in California. Okay. Um, and for my writing, it's tracyterrace.com. I'd love it if anyone that's listening would go to my uh, my writer's website, my author's website, tracyterrace.com, and join my email list. Because Fantastic. then you'll have different blogs. You'll get different emails uh, from time to time. And I talk about a lot of the things I teach in my practice and um, a lot of the things I teach in you know Bible study and things like that. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. We'll make sure that we put all the links in the show notes so all of our listeners can check those out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This has been a really great conversation. I've it learned is. a lot. Yeah. I want to just say a word to our parents because I see this. I'm a, I'm a young parent. I have a two-year-old. She just turned two the other day and a two-month-old. And 
our children are very observant. They pick up things and they learn how to act, how to think, how to emote based on how we react. So if I overreact to something, my child is more likely to overreact to something. Or if I think something a certain way, they're probably going to think a certain way, at least till they can discern and, and figure out if that's true or not, right? So for our parents listening, what message would you have for them about being very uh, intentional and observant about what they're doing and how they're training their children, especially because parents are the primary people to raise their kids up in the faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say be intentional about what you have on the forefront of your mind when you're act, when you're interacting with your children, because as, as parents, there's so much that we have to do. And a lot of times we're going through it in a rote manner, but being mindful of what you're doing, because there is a form of therapy that we use called object relations, and it's where the child internalizes the parent or other adults as an object within themselves and what how that and if you it what, how that manifests is when you're growing up and you're engaging in behaviors that are not even yours like God created you as a parent Brandon and then he created your children and there is a time in life where they are who you say they are. And that's just part of the psychoedu- I mean, the psychosocial process. Like yep. there's developmental stages. But there will come a time when the, the child will ask, who am I apart from who my family says I am? That's in the adolescent years. And a lot of times I'll, when parents are bringing their kids in, as uh, teenagers, I'll tell them they're not necessarily, it may look like they're rebelling, that's just a symptom, but they're just really trying to figure out who am I apart from who my parents say I am. If you've done a great job and you've given them a foundation, they'll more than likely come back, you know, to that foundation. So being mindful of what it is you're, be real, like if you are sad, be sad, and, you know, to give them the communication that it's okay to be sad, we have to figure out how to navigate, and this is how you navigate sad feelings or hurt feelings or whatever but just being mindful of of, um such great wisdom oh my goodness i think about the forgiveness thing that you were talking about too my wife and i if we get into a disagreement or fight or something like that and that starts in front of the kids we always make sure to reconcile in front of the kids as well yes because they need to see that yes we didn't get along in this particular area but we still love each other and we're going to reconcile and continue to work on this because our marriage is important and the best thing we can do is give our kids a strong healthy marriage yes exactly that's that's a that's the the best thing you could do is let them see the whole story because if you don't allow them to see the reconciliation they'll make up in their minds what does that mean they'll give a meaning to it you know which is i talk about that a lot in the book of one of the reasons that the voices that you don't want can continue on play is you're giving meaning to it. So if you don't show your kids that, all right, we're all right, we've reconciled, they'll make up, are they going to get a divorce? Do they not like each other? Or am I going to have to go live somewhere else? I mean, they can go on and on. So it's great that you're, if it starts in front of them, then you're finding a way to end it. Great. Wow. To all of our listeners out there, I, I really hope that you have been blessed by this conversation. I want to encourage you to check out the show notes 
notes. Get your hands on this book. Check out what Tracy has to offer with her newsletter. Sign up for that. Go to her website. Um, I'm just uh, very honored that we had this conversation with you today, Tracy. This was great, and I think so many listeners are going to be blessed by this conversation. Thank you for having me, Karen. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. Good. Good. Well, that wraps up another episode here, Karen. We're continuing to have great conversations as our listeners just heard, and we have more to come. So I just want to encourage our listeners, stay tuned. We are going to be putting these out all week Mm. because there are just so many. I I say it over and over again. I probably sound (laughs) like a broken record, but there are just so many good people here doing such good work for God's kingdom. And we can't feature them all, but we can feature as many as we can. Absolutely. And we are trying our best to hand select the best of the best for our listeners. And Tracy, you are no exception. Thank you for your time today. God bless. Take care. And to all of our listeners, we'll see you next time. 